Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Book Riot Podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For just $8 a month, you'll get easy-to-use drag-and-drop layouts, 24-7 live chat support, and beautiful, responsive designs that will make your website look great on any device. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code POETRY at checkout. A better web starts with your website. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 73. We're recording on Friday, October 3rd. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, and I'm here with Jeff O'Neill, and we are some of the editors of BookRiot.com. We're some. Hello. You're right. We have to, The language isn't quite right. We have to come up with something. We are two of the editors. We're the... OG editor. I don't know how we're going to Ah, yeah, I would. Can I put that on my business cards? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Book Riot OG. I think we, you know, we always are coming up with new business card titles. We're, we're just lousy <laughs> we with outdated business cards. <laughs> Welcome back, Rebecca. It's, we've been a while. I mean, people heard you in the Example Reading Lives podcast yeah. a couple weeks ago. Which we recorded ago. like months ago. Months ago. ago. Yeah. And you know what? No, I didn't tell anyone and I didn't even ask you about putting it on the show. So I hope you don't mind. Oh, it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, and, was... and did you notice I'm asking you for forgiveness on air? So you're going to seem like a real jerk if you don't. If you don't I'm uh... so mad at you for airing that thing that we recorded that I knew you would air someday. And someday. Yeah, I know. It was a real, uh, was yeah, a real bait and switch. Yeah, I was uh, at the beach for a couple of weeks. And when I re-emerged onto the internet, it was fun to have tweets from people about the show and <laughs> a couple of folks let me know that like they had had that moment too of um you know hiding your book in your hymnal at church that sort of thing uh, every, so that was every really one of the shows i've recorded so far and if if you haven't gone to listen to the ones you can go to bookwrite.com slash reading lives find them there or itunes you can find reading lives i've had clive thompson author of smarter than you think had meg medina last week uh awesome why author of yankee delgado will kick you ass will kick your ass um, and this week I had Chuck Wendig, who's going. If this, if you're hearing this show, the Chuck Wendig episode will be live. Um, each one of them had a story about hiding a book in another book somewhere. Yeah, it, I I don't think it's an apocryphal uh, just lore thing. I about thought it, the I reading thought life. It was. I think it's a real thing. I thought it was me. Okay, some people maybe do it, but like every, it's weird. Like so, I don't know. Uh, so I, at some point after I do enough of these, and I have ten or so stories, I'm going to do a list of books. People little clip show. Did. Yeah, we'll do a little clip show. <laughs> when I also, I don't think I talked about it when we did that show, but my elementary school had the desks that um, you had that were open at the end that faced. You yes, where you were sitting right. and you could shove stuff into them and then lift the lid up. And I do recall like hiding a book right in there also and peek, just peeking down at it yeah, during the, class. The furniture designers for those did not really anticipate the nefarious uses to which the front <laughs> opening lid could be used. Yeah, if kids secretly reading books can be called nefarious. Well, then. I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, um, go listen to Chuck. Also, Chuck told a great story about the first time his mom read one of his stories. Um, and uh, he didn't mean for her to. So you can go to bookwrite.com slash reading lives. Also, we should mention, well, should we do our first sponsor and then come back? 
let's do this sponsor and we'll come back. We've got more news to talk about. So uh, Squarespace is back. Squarespace.com, the easy all-in-one platform for making beautiful, responsive websites. So here's what's so great about Squarespace. First of all, you can get a free trial and 10% off by visiting squarespace.com and entering offer code POETRY, because Rebecca and I are both poets. Um, It's simple and easy to make a great professional-looking website, beautiful drag-and-drop content. So you can sort of move things around, um, just dragging and dropping on the screen in front of you and seeing what it looks like right there. It is easy but the web is complicated, and sometimes you'll want to do something or something you won't understand about what's happening to the website. Well, you know what? you got an answer for that. Squarespace has 24-7 live chat customer support. They're really proud of that. Super easy and helpful to do. Um, plans start at just $8 a month, include a free domain name. So if you need to go find... Um, I, I, I was going to think of something snappy and, and nothing, nothing, something snappy.org. If you're going to, you can go get something snappy.org. Um, that's not bad. I should go register that. And if, if you sign up for a year, they'll throw in the domain name and do your management for you, which was really great. Responsive design looks great on an iPhone, uh, an iPad, your ga- Galaxy, Samsung, Nexus 11, or whatever you have uh, on a 30 inch screen, everything in between. Every site comes with an online store, e-commerce built in. It's included in your $8 a month. You don't have to pay extra for it. Um, You can check out and sell digital, physical goods, everything right there. Thanks so much to Squarespace for sponsoring the show, squarespace.com, offer code POETRY. Panels.net is live. It's live, baby. It's our new website. What is it? It is... Solar panels. (laughs) Yes. Window panels? Okay, yeah, right. It's no. actually just uh, panel talks, like from conferences, <laughs> just a bunch of panels recorded. Just random panels. It's like C-SPAN. <laughs> so, that'd be so funny if it was just like every day a different panel discussion. And by funny, you'd mean most terrible, terrible. and soul-destroying. No, yeah. comic books. It's graphic about comics, novels. graphic novels, any book that is a combination of words and pictures. Or online basically. stuff, too, even. Web comics. Uh, in the same way that Book Riot does all kinds of books, old books, new books, fancy books, lowbrow quote-unquote lowbrow books the whole gamut um panels does that for comics we have a more than 20 contributors over there being headed up by paul montgomery uh, who's formerly of ifanboy and marvel.com and a whole bunch of other great comic book sites and so we're thrilled that he is uh, working with us leading up the team over there but uh you can check out panels.net and you'll see that it's that riot flavor with which you are hopefully familiar at this point of you know a little something serious a little something thoughtful a little something funny uh there's a great image of lego wolverine on the site today (laughs) from someone who cannot resist reading stuff that pokes fun at wolverine uh it's and we we had a really great lunch earlier this week really good time it's uh intended for readers of all experience and interest levels. If you're just getting started, but you're interested in comics, there's going to be stuff there. And if you've been reading comics um, hardcore since um, you were a wee waddler, then there's (laughs) stuff there for you as well. What? Wee waddler? It just, I'm having a mental image. No, it's it's your small and your waddling. You're a wee waddler. (laughs) Uh, So go check out panels.net. On Twitter, it's HeyPanels. Yeah. Hey panels. So check them out. We'll, we'll look for it. And the, pretty soon there's going to be a, a equivalent to this podcast for that called O Comics starting te- in a couple weeks. Yeah. And the teaser for it is back in the stream, a couple episodes back in this podcast. That's stream. right. That is so you correct. You can hear Paul and Preeti, who will be co hosting 
with him and just get a little flavor, but it's going to be about what's happening in the world of comics every week. So learn some stuff. I'm pretty new to comics. I've been learning a lot every day. Uh, been really great. And uh, they're fulfilling the mission so far of newbies to hardcore, <laughs> you know, experienced fans. So that's been pretty exciting. All right, let's do what we do. And let's talk about terrible studies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, is this one terrible? This uh, Spending and employment related to books and other reading materials? I don't know if it's terrible. I okay, mean, I, I right. guess it probably kind of is. Uh, uh, so the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you know, those party people. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bureau. Do they live in a bureau? Like a little wardrobe? <laughs> It's a shiffero. <laughs> <laughs> a little vanity. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt there. Oh, man, I missed you. I know. I'm, I'm a delight. Um, the Bureau <laughs> so. of Labor Statistics, it, Statistics in 2013, they did a study of basically buying habits by age group, mm -hmm. um, by employment level, Mm -hmm. And age, I think, were the most interesting things. Yes. So in 2013, consumers spent an average of $29 on 20 cents uh, $29 on books not purchased through book clubs. I don't know why that caveat. I guess they can't get good information about that. And Right, and it makes me wonder how many people are still purchasing books through yeah, book is clubs. It, is it, like is it, the book version of Columbia Music Club, I guess. I, well, we need to get on this. We'll find out something about that. If any of you do that, please let us yes, know. Yes, I would Podcast like to. Podcast at bookriot.com. Among different age groups, consumers age 55 to 64 years spent the most on books, mm -hmm. $40.28, and those under 25 spent the least, $12.56. I'm not surprised by anything so far. Are you? Yeah, no, not not so far. No, I mean, twenty nine twenty. Yeah. Is not very not much. High. Not very much. When we That's think an about average, like, average. Right, that's true. And the studies of um like the whole I think Pew does the study every year of the uh, the whole population of US people who read books at all and the average is like 3 to 5 books a year, I think. Mm -hmm. So 2920 if those are ebooks particularly is about right for reading 3 to 5 books. And now I'm wishing that I had also pulled up the data from when we did this uh, survey with Book Riot readers about yes. their book spending, but I recall it was notably higher. Um, let's see. What else here? Uh, digital In recent years, digital book readers have become more popular and consumers spent an average of $30.18 on digital book readers in 2013, meaning they spent more money on their e-readers than they did on books on average. Mm -hmm. um, those aged 35 to 44 spent $51.73 on digital book readers. So, you know, they, they're a yeah. little older. They spend more. Well, sure, and that's an average thing of most ebook readers cost what at least $79 like right. is that the baseline Kindle is 79 bucks mm -hmm. and then you've got up to like 199 or 299 I guess a tablet would be considered something different um so this is probably what like one in every one in every five one in every eight people ha yes. has spent money on a digital book reader so it shakes that average out to between 25 and 51 dollars um, let's see. The other chart they have here is about jobs related to publishing. Oh. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, they broke it down by book publishers, bookstores, and news dealers, and internet publishing and broadcasting and web search portals. I don't know what that is exactly. It's like a catch. Are we that? Are we internet publishing and broadcasting and web search uh, portals? I I don't know. Anyway, so in <laughs> 2000, this is a 10-year study, t uh, 
in 2004, there were about 150,000 people employed in bookstores and news dealers. Mm-hmm. Today, that number is 85,000. That's, mm-hmm. that's a haircut right there, almost yeah. half. Um, publishers in 2004 was about 80,000, judging from this chart. Uh-huh. And now, now it's, it's about 40. 60, oh, sorry. 67,000. 67,000. So that, I'm a little surprised, has not been hit as hard. Right. I mean, it's definitely down, but... And it's moving in the other direction in the middle category. Yes. In 2004, 65,500 people were employed in internet publishing and broadcasting and web search portals, which... I guess Book Riot is technically a thing that's published on the internet, but I wouldn't call it internet Not publishing. publishing. No. But now, but what's broadcasting? In, I don't. I don't. Po- podcasting? Does that would podcasting, podcasting count or webcasts or? I don't, I don't know. know that. We need definitions. Yeah, here. we do. This I need some methodology. But, corner, but that number there, whatever it is they're counting, is now more than mm-hmm. ever worked in bookstores and news dealers. Yeah, it's now one hundred and fifty-seven thousand four hundred. So it has more than doubled in yeah. the last ten years. The number of people working in internet publishing and broadcasting and web search portals, whatever the heck that actually that means, is. and that is, as you just said, higher than the highest point of people working in bookstores mm-hmm. and news dealers ever has been. If you are a newspaper or magazine, you don't want to look at this chart <laughs> because young people are not subscribing and buying newspapers and magazines. Like the, if you, it's, it's broken down by, it's a color coded mm-hmm. bar, but the people 55 years and older spend like, it looks like about seven to eight times as much money as people mm-hmm. 25 to 35 and 35 to 44. Um, so I don't know if that's a glimpse of the future. It's kind of like one of those deals is it's going to age out. Yeah. Um, how much of the remaining dollars in newspapers and magazines are aging dollars? Oh, and that chart actually shows the books purchased through book clubs also. Oh, it does? So, so no, they why do, did the they green do that? Bar, and so they must have the data about average spent on books purchased through book clubs. It's a pretty narrow section of yeah. each of these bars on the bar graph that we're looking at. So it looks like... Money people are spending on books not through book clubs significantly, like multiple orders of magnitude exceeds the amount of money people are spending on books through book clubs. But they have that data. So it's interesting that 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 was broken out. It's it's, it's around 10% of the book dollars for people younger than 64. That's higher than I would have guessed. And I'm interested. They talk about digital book readers, but there's Mm -hmm. no notice of... Is that just straight e-readers or or does it it include tablets? And does the books measure include just print or is it digital books also? I guess it's both. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess guess so. I have many questions. Um, There was another part of this story that Vox linked to, and Mm -hmm. I linked to that story in Vox today on Critical Linking. And I just want to throw one more data point in here, and it's about age related to um, physical versus ebook buys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that 2920 was for physical books. Okay. Right. Well, um, maybe it just says on books. Yeah, and this and I'm um, don't sorry, the 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 piece I'm reading on Vox. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, they spent the same in the same period $30.18 on ebooks. Huh. So an aggregate spent more money on ebooks than print books, which was interesting mm-hmm. in 2013. And the age group one is kind of the point I was making before. 55 to 64-year-olds spent three times more on physical books than those, those under 25. Okay. On the other hand, 35 to 44-year-olds spent twice as much on ebooks All as right. those over 65. So, I, Generational technology gener- generational adoption Generational changing. Stuff. So, I, you know, we see numbers now where 
especially last week, there was a bunch of about print holding steady stories coming mm-hmm. out. And I think that number is deceiving insofar as it is holding steady for now. And it's going to be a generational shift as people yeah. are used to ebooks. Um, maybe as these younger people get older, they'll switch to print. But I don't think they're going to be replicating their parents and, and grandparents' print digital you know, buying habits. And I think that's a big question mark. Like people in our age group in the mid 30s mm-hmm. that are doing digital and are comfortable with digital reading, like I can't really imagine what would drive us to go back to print as we got yeah. older. Amanda Especially and I talked about this a little bit. Just, yeah. yeah, as the technology just gets better and better. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not one of those people that. I think print is going to spiral to zero. I think like many choices, it's going to come down to taste, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't, for those of you, for those of you out there and those of you people seeing out there sort of pulling for and getting a lot of joy or comfort out of this sort of idea of an ebook plateau, um, I'm I'm not so sure that's what we're going to see, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just speculating here and here's a little data to do so with. Um, Canadians. Let's do Canadians. Canada did their own version, uh, or I guess, I guess a Canadian Women in Literary Arts. I can't tell if it's a government organization or yeah, not. It, uh, I just assume all arts organizations in Canada are government-sponsored. <laughs> but it's basically a Canadian version of the Vita mm-hmm. counts that we see um, here in the U.S. once a year that look at book reviews in professional publications, um, like sort of, you know, official literary publications and the gender breakdown. Mm-hmm. So the the top level piece is that there is a lack of parity in book reviewing in Canadian publications. Um, in 2013, uh, 37% of the books that were reviewed in Canadian publications were by female authors, and 57% of the books that were reviewed in Canadian publications were by male authors. And in case you're doing the math and that doesn't come out to 100, um, 5% were co-authored by men and women, and then 1% were unknown, and then there was a less than 1% of people who don't like to be categorized as either male or female. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad as Vita, I don't think. My memory serves, but it's still not good. Yeah, and and they are also trending toward parody, which yeah. was Vita's conclusion, or one of Vita's conclusions this year, is that American publications are trending toward parody, but it's still in process. Um, of book reviews written by women, 51% were of books by women, and 43% were of books by men. Um, of book reviews that were written by men, the male reviewers reviewed books by men 69% of the time. That's and just only horrible. Reviewed books <laughs> by women so 20 It is horrible. And it's, it's just horrible. Just I horrible. think it, it re, there's this myth in publishing that men don't and won't read books written by women and pr- these literary publications. And I assume in Canada and in the U S reinforce that by assigning the male reviewers to just read books by men or if you're allowing your reviewers to select their books then uh then the men who are choosing to primarily review books by men are also reinforcing that Mm -hmm. Um, because we know from our lives on the bookish internet that there many men do read books by women uh yeah it's just it's just absurd that coverage skews that way and these bars look so uneven yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's bad. Um, I think that 
I think that is a nice way of honing down to where the the heart of the heart of the matter is, is that mm-hmm. dudes are just reviewing dudes. I'm not just, okay, whatever. Not primarily, just. Primarily, primarily. Almost 70%. <laughs> More than more than two to one, which, you know, that's not cool. That's not what we should be doing. Speaking of things we shouldn't be doing, we got a lot to talk about. We'll move along here. Riverside, California, the middle oh. school district there oh. has banned. I'm just going to make I, I, about I make this on a show and I, may, I think, or I don't know, maybe we're talking about Twitter and I said uh, something about I didn't think the Fault in Our Stars would get banned. I couldn't see that happening. And I think you and Kelly Jensen, who works with us, said, oh, well, just you wait. <laughs> I was like, really? He's like, Yep. Because they're sex, and I was like, "Really?" And it's not even like it's not even on screen sex. It's well, like uh, the screen goes dark, and then you know what's happening. Yeah. So the Riverside Unified School District Book Reconsideration Committee, which is which is in the Cal- most Orwellian name yeah. of a sort of local government is, entity I've ever heard. This is in California. Near California. LA. Yeah, I think Riverside. Um, anyway. Uh, from the li- took them from the shelves. So mm-hmm. we've talked about things being removed off recommended summer reading lists. This is taking the books out of the library, right? And they, so there were three copies. They've all been removed from the library shelves of the Frank Augustus Miller Middle School, and they have forbidden its inclusion at other middle school libraries in the district. And even donations of the book are not to be accepted. So it's not just you can't use school funds to purchase this book and put it on the library shelves. It's also if a parent or a student or a teacher or a member of the community buys this book and donates it to the school, the school cannot accept it. And the ban has come after a complaint from a parent that the book contains profanity and references to sex. I just um, can't. Like, because, listen, listen, Jeff, there's some sex mentioned in it. I, I'm not going to refute teenagers the, the truth that there's sex in it. But it's like, it's like a parent's fantasy of teenage sex, right? Like these two people are con- they're consenting, they're, they're like they, clearly they love in other. love, and they're heterosexual. I mean, like see, the whole well, thing is like it's uh, it's a version of the parents' fantasy. The parents who are banning books like this, their fantasy is that there is no such thing as teenagers having sex or cursing and that teenagers don't even know that other teenagers have sex or curse. You know, I I just, it's so screwed up and it's so so bad. What I can't believe is it takes one parent. That's mm -hmm. the thing that always gets me about these things. It's not, if there's like a local community, like outcry and they've got like pitchforks and torches, like whatever, like, you know, you, I, I, I do like local, one thing I do like about local government is that, you know, you can change something in your local school board, especially, but it should take more than one person well, raising a complaint to get also, the book reconsideration committee to yank them out of the damn library. Like, I don't get that. Where is the voice of reason saying, if you don't want your kid to read this book, that's your prerogative. So pull your kid, you know, out of this section of class or get them an alternate assignment. Like, to my knowledge, schools make this widely available. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, And I mean, I think I've told the story on the show before about how my school lost one of our best English teachers when I was in high school because a parent complained that Romeo and Juliet contained premarital sex, which it doesn't. Right. They are. I mean, they haven't been married long, but they're married. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, look, uh, we can. I just all of my knickers are in all of the twists. I just 
cannot with this. I do want to give John Green props because yeah. <laughs> he, his response to this is like, you can tell that he is just straight up pissed. Yes. And so he's super sarcastic. I guess I am both happy and sad, he writes. I'm happy <laughs> because apparently young people in Riverside, California will never witness or experience mortality since they won't be reading my book, which is great for them. But I'm also sad because I was really hoping I would be able to introduce the idea that human beings die to the children of Riverside, California, <laughs> and thereby crush their dreams of immortality. Uh, you know, I'm, I didn't really care for The Fault in Our Stars. I'm not the biggest John Green fan, but I give mad props to this response because mm-hmm. it points out the absurdity of the situation. I just... and. The other thing, too, that, that gets my proverbial goat about it is <laughs> that this book is getting so many teenagers excited to read. You know, it's like... It's probably the biggest teen thing since, what, Twilight? Uh, maybe Hunger Games. I don't know. I, I think in terms of relative sales, Hunger Games mm. just destroys it. But but that could be adults reading it, too, where I think not as many adults have read Fault in Our Stars as have read Hunger Games. Anyway, it's a huge deal for teens. Like there's a, you know, there's a reason John Green has three and a half million Facebook likes. Yeah. And if you're going to model your, if you're a teenager and you're looking for some kind of model of your relationship or of what a first sexual experience is going to be like. It's idea. I mean, it's great. you You could do a whole lot worse than a book in which a couple that care for each other talk about what yes. their sexual relationship is going to be like. And like you said, there's consent and it's sweet. And like the it, on the page, the screen goes black yes. basically. And right. you just know that they're having sex, but it's not. Like, and everyone's a, nice to everyone, and there's consent. And the sex doesn't ruin everything. It's not a yes. mistake that they both regret or that ruins their lives. And perhaps that's also, I don't even know if the parent who filed this complaint read the book. Mm. Like, I, I also think you should have to take a comprehension test about any book before you're allowed to file a complaint about it and prove that you've actually read the thing. But mm. it's... <sighs> okay, just, so anyway... Ugh. um. Can I rant about another thing yeah, for a second? Yeah, let's get it out. Was, let's get it out of this. I just need to. I just need to let it out. This was higher up in the agenda, and we, I think we just bumped over it. But Harper Collins announced. Oh uh, yes, yeah. We did. They announced this week um, the launch of a new e- e-commerce program that will give their authors an additional ten percent net royalty on print ebook and physical audio products. So audiobooks on CD, but not downloads, sold through the Harper Collins platform. So like, if you get a twenty-five percent net royalty on sales from all other sources, then you get 35% royalty on something that someone buys of yours through the HarperCollins platform. Well, that's platform. how math works. You add 10. That is and how you go from works. 20. Okay, gotcha. I'm following. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm reading the press release too. It's not you. You're reading, you're kind of skimming. Yeah, I'm it's weird the that they like, so, it's like really, yeah, can you spoon like, feed from some, oh, anyway, go ahead. Just to break it down. <laughs> <laughs> Let me break it down for you So again. the thing we like, I <laughs> the think. The thing we like. Well, what do, uh, Okay, so the thing I like yes, go. is HarperCollins is looking for ways to sell to readers directly rather than going through like bookstores that. and retailers. And so rewarding wanna, authors for pushing people right. there. And so they're rewarding their authors for getting involved in the process. Very smart, like this. Very smart. It's what don't we you like? Know, we, uh, we don't like that the ebooks that you buy through HarperCollins.com have to be read on the HarperCollins. Nope, kill it with digital e- fire. Nope, ebook nope, app. Nope, yeah. nope, 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 nope. Nope, nope, nope. HarperCollins has the capacity, all these big publishers have the capacity to track sales in other ways. And so why 
Why couldn't they just bump up author royalties? I don't know. Like mm, they don't the, want they want people. Uh, look, keep the bump. Just ditch the proprietary e-reading mm-hmm. apps. That's all I'm asking. Ditch it. Keep the rest of the program. Reward your authors who are tweeting and facebooking and writing newsletters and reaching out to their readers and saying, "Hey, I've got this book, and you can buy it at mm-hmm. hc.com if you want it." But let the readers then get the book and read it however they want on whatever app they want. Yeah. I would love to buy my ebook straight from harpercollins.com knowing that the yes. authors that I like are going to get an additional yes. 10%, but I'm not going to do it if I have to read on a crappy proprietary app that looks like it's from 1998. I don't care if the app is great. And it's not, so. Yeah, so there we go. But I'm just saying, like, I don't, this, that's, no, come on. Don't do that. The, so well, the other thing, too, is that Amazon has affiliate programs of which we have participated mm-hmm. in the past and probably will, may, participate in the future just to get that disclosure out there. But if I'm Neil Gaiman and I point people to Amazon and I use my own affiliate code, I can get eight and a half percent right there. Yeah. So it's not like HarperCollins is offering me like a really sweet deal because also my print books are full list price on HarperCollins.com. Right. So you're asking people to pay a higher... Uh, I think there's like, this is like maybe a move towards the right direction. Yeah, it's... But... I think it's like an 80% good idea. But that the, high? Yeah, maybe. Exec- yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to buy a print book, there's also no digital audio books. Well, Did you notice that it's only physical? Yeah, the audio physical audio book thing is a hang up yeah. for me, and and I think a hang up for a lot of readers. Most of the pieces that we've seen in the last couple of years about the surge in audiobook listening has had to do with how most people who are listening to audiobooks also have a smartphone and are listening yeah. to them on smartphones. They now. must just not have the 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 platform to be able to distribute digital audiobooks. I mean, I mean, I think this could be a like the way that the ebook thing I think should work is you can buy it through the HarperCollins platform and then download the say the EPUB file to whatever reading mm-hmm. app you prefer, or the HarperCollins website would have a like click for Barnes and Noble, yeah. click for Amazon, click right. for Kobo, click for iBooks, and we just track their affiliate that way and mm-hmm. know, okay, someone came in through harpercollins.com and then they bought mm-hmm. at Barnes and Noble and the author gets the royalty that way. So you could do, but audio. I don't, but I don't see, uh, you could do we've talked to publishers way. about this. I don't think they know. Right. Cause like, uh, I was looking at, uh, I can't remember what are the publisher no, website true. the other day and it has like that. It has like six choices, like buy at Barnes and Noble, buy an indie bound, buy an Amazon, buy an iBooks, buy books a million, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And once someone clicks one of those, yeah, then it's a black then box. Then it's a black box you're, you're a lot right. of the time. Um, unless they have the affiliate links, you know, in there working properly, which don't hold anyone to that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it, I, I and, understand why HarperCollins is doing it. Yeah, um, and A publisher it, trying to silo their books mm-hmm. is going to fail, I think. Well, and also I do think this is a smart move as a step towards protecting themselves, HarperCollins protecting themselves against a potential future conflict with yes. Amazon or a retailer. There's a quote from Brian Murray, who's the president and CEO of HarperCollins, where he says, well, the first priority is to sell books through as many different channels as possible. We are pleased to provide this platform for our authors who want to sell directly. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
here's the kicker. Our, also, our authors can also be certain that their books will always be available to consumers through HarperCollins, even if they are difficult to find or experiencing shipping delays yeah. elsewhere. It's like which, a retail bomb shelter is kind of what right. they're building, yeah, like right? That's a, definitely a reference to what's going on with Hachette and Amazon and Hachette titles not being available or being available, but in three to five weeks from mm-hmm. your order at Amazon. So HarperCollins is starting to protect itself there. And that's smart. I'm glad that they're doing that. I just wish that they would get over the proprietary app yeah, thing. Like yeah. if that would go away, I could be on board with this. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wonder, Hachette, surely you can buy the Goldfinch. Like if you go to... The Hachette website? Buy this book, retailer websites. Oh, God. I mm-hmm. mean, you can, but it's a nightmare. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, but... Any any time that's going to require me to sequester books from one publisher or even a couple publisher in one app, not going not to happen. Just ain't and not going to not going to do it. That's my bad Dana Carvey <laughs> from twenty five years ago. <laughs> uh, Your bad Dana Carvey doing bad doing George <laughs> bad George Bush the elder. Uh, <laughs> let's do our second sponsor. Okay, our second sponsor this week is "As Long as You Love Me" by Anna Aguirre. It's a young adult, or sorry, new adult title. This is a story about a girl named Lauren Barrett who is from a town in Sharon, Nebraska, where most people cannot wait to get out of the town. But Lauren has been away for three years and now she's coming home and the reason that she's giving to everyone else for coming home is she's missing her family she lost her college scholarship it's just time to come home but the reason that's really at the heart of it that lauren doesn't want to admit to anyone else is a boy named rob conrad who is lauren's best friend's older brother rob is a football player he has jaw-dropping good looks he was a star in high school and uh Now, out in the real world, his job and his relationships are going nowhere also. Uh, So Lauren and Rob are both back in Sharon, Nebraska, in this small town after, you know, having had some bad luck elsewhere. And they find each other. Uh, And though Lauren is scared of opening up, she is ready to take the chance. Because the only thing more important than figuring out where you truly belong is finding the person you were meant to be with. So little romance, little coming of age stuff. I don't know if there are sexy times in this book, but it looks like... This is going to get banned by River. This is like a foreplay cover. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Their lips are a few inches away from Uh, each other. Ah, yes. Anagiri is getting rave reviews uh, from all over the place for her uh, new adult titles. And... She is my new hero for naming three of her books after boy band songs. <laughs> oh, is that we right? Had, yeah. One of her other titles is called I Want It That Way. Ah, uh, yes. Which is Even I Backstreet, know that one. Yeah, yes. which is Backstreet Boys. And As Long As You Love Me um, is Backstreet Boys. And I think, um, there, I think there might be a Justin Bieber song also called As Long As You Love Me. Um, I read something about Anna Geary and how she named songs after the Backstreet Boys and Justin Bieber. And I just think that's like, talk about knowing your target (laughs) audience. That is brilliant. Uh, So you can check out as long as you love me online, wherever books are sold. And we'll have a link to it in the show notes as well. And thank you to uh, as long as you love me and Anna Geary and her publisher for sponsoring this week. Quick, quick aside. Say, say you meet two people. And one of them says, I have Where a, is this going? And it could go anywhere, right? You know, everyone's interested. I'm scared right now. You meet two people. One of them says, I have a, a new daughter. And the other one says, I have a young daughter, right? Which of <laughs> uh-huh. those children is older? 
The young daughter. See, that's, I've just realized that's why the new adult thing screws me up. Because new adult is supposed to be for older people than young adult is for, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm young just, adult, it, yeah, the nomenclature here is not excellent. Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not one of those people that get hot and bothered to say that the new adult isn't a thing. Like, I kind of think it is a thing. Also, yeah. I don't care. Like, you can read whatever you want. It's well, not my business. But, like, there's some, like, weird confusion in my brain like, about which is for whom. I think that, yeah, like young adult is teen slash adolescent. Mm-hmm. New adult is... Early to mid-20s is kind of the it, idea, is right? It's like quarter life. Yes, yeah. right. It, yeah, college to quarter life. Yeah. Um, but I guess quarter life is not snappy enough. I don't uh, know. Like, I agree with you. I think that what's ha- what happens in the books that are classified as new adult, like this is a thing. Publishers have very intentionally made it a thing mm-hmm. to take the kinds of stories that are being told in young adult teen fiction, but, you know, grow them up a little bit Mm -hmm. with more mature approaches to particularly sex and relationships. And they, these characters have college kid problems, not 16 year old high school kid problems. Early career kind of problems and things like that. That like the, the end part of coming of age Mm -hmm. rather than the, in the, in media mess, as you call it, <laughs> yes, <laughs> coming of age. Um, so anyway, I didn't mean to derail yeah, us yeah. there. It just struck me as we were you were doing that sponsor. Like, no wonder I've always kind of like because new adult feels like that would mean a younger person. That's a younger adult than a young adult. <laughs> anyway, it's confusing. Yeah, a little confusing. And I imagine like if you if you don't have our jobs and you don't yes. have to pay attention to how yes. books get talked about in this way, if like you walked into Barnes and Noble and they had a new adult section and a young adult section. You'd, I would be like, well, what is the difference? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of um, young readers, you like how I did that there? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I try not to step on your segues. Oh, no, but I need know. a little affirmation because how else will I know <laughs> that I'm a valuable human being? Good job, uh, Jeff. Thank you. Thank Good you job. so much. Good job. Uh, and now, see, the listeners don't even know what we're going to talk about. Uh, book it. We all did. I mean, this is one of those Everyone. things like if you grew up in America um, and you're our age or I guess... It's like Gen- a little bit Gen older X. than us, even. You yeah. did the Book It Pizza Hut program, and that was if you read a certain number of books, you got pizzas. Yep, they gave them out in school. Like you got your forms in school. Yeah, you, you got stickers. Out. I remember stickers yeah. of some kind just, from the library. I think right. It was like a little grid. You yes. fill out the books that you've read, and then you roll into your local Pizza Hut with your completed book grid, and you got a free personal pan pizza. In hindsight, I didn't even realize how this was pressing three of my buttons simultaneously because I didn't know Books, that. pizza, and free and, stuff? And, and spreadsheets. Because oh. it's basically a spreadsheet, right? Like a very, you stick a sticker in the thing. Um, Books, pizza, and spreadsheets it, is like all I need in life. That's what I'm talking about. So it's the 30th birthday of the Book It program, which is great, hurrah, but the thing that some of you might care about is if they're looking for Book It alumni. Mm-hmm. So if you go, let's see, uh, it's bookitprogram.com. Slash bookit alumni. Boy, that was yeah. hard for me to remember. No wonder. I, no, that was obvious. Um, <laughs> they want to hear from you. So you send in an email in your age and your city and all that stuff. And and if you submit, they give you a coupon for a free pizza. It's so great. Just like a free one-topping personal pan pizza, just like in the good old days that you'd get from And you don't book. even have to prove that you've been reading you didn't books either. You for don't, this You don't one. even need um, Mrs. Smith down at the Lawrence Public Library to frown at you while she stamped <laughs> all of your uh, your Hardy Boys books. Um, this is just straight up firing all of my nostalgia I know, engines. It's, it's so great. That, that's great. I, I don't even know what to say about it except that it's, it's awesome. Cool. Speaking of things that are coming that we're not really looking forward to, though... <sighs> 
it's J- Jonathan Franzen getting a biography. <laughs> and I, if this is a if this is a troll prank, uh, <laughs> well played. It's an excellent one. It's very well done by um, <laughs> Philip Weinstein, who is the scholar who's writing this. Uh, it's coming out. Uh, let's Does see. Does it even have a publication date? No, it doesn't. It doesn't say. I'm taking that day off to cry all day. Um. Anyway, <laughs> it's Jonathan <laughs> Franzen, The Comedy of Rage is Which, the title. Which, mad props, excellent yes. subtitle. He's working toward turning rage into comedy. Um, <laughs> apart oh, from bl- one two-hour interview with Franzen, everything else is coming from autobiographical essays for details about his personal life. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't like get cl- that. What what is that's that, not like, a biography. Cl- it's like Cliff's Notes. Is he going to interview his, his, his romantic and partners or I business uh, parents? Uh, Bloom, yeah, Bloomsbury is publishing it. It says next fall. Next fall. So it's and fall of 2015. This, you can tell like the New York Times piece alexandra alter wrote this piece like she's throwing a little yeah a little side shade eye yeah right at I it think like so. it says it at 55 mr franzen has published, published only four, four novels. novels only two have become critical hits and bestsellers right. apart from occasional acute creative anxiety and a troubled marriage mr franzen doesn't appear to have led an especially <laughs> noteworthy life sick burn on phil weinstein <laughs> and jonathan franzen. uh but weinstein who's an english professor at swarthmore and a casual acquaintance of the author Seems to think that it's interesting enough. And then Bloomsbury has you know, taken this one guy's interest, plus probably Well, the we're talking about it. We're talking that, about right, it. Right, that yeah. people like to talk about Franzen, if even not always positively, and, and done it. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of hate reading of this book. Like, I can already see mm. the Flavor Wire will do the, like, <laughs> you know. The 10 worst 15- lines in Comedy of Rage. <laughs> right, or like 15 things we wish we never knew about Jonathan Franzen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, I just, that's definitely going to happen. I don't have any p- big problems with Jonathan Franzen, but I agree with the assessment here that, mm-hmm. like, as a liter- as an Ameri- a contemporary American literary writer, he's really not one of the noteworthy ones. I mean, two bestsellers. Like, he- they've generated a lot of buzz. The Corrections was nominated for a bunch of awards. I think it maybe won the Pulitzer the year it came out. Mm, I don't maybe. remember. It came out maybe. in 2000. Um, I know. I remember reading it in 2000. And two novels in 14. I mean, it's not like he's pumping out one every three years or something like like that. Where is my Toni Morrison biography? Now, this is something we need to talk about seriously and forever. Because we. Or how about our Marilyn Robinson biography? (sighs) Speaking of which is coming out next week. While I was on vacation, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw someone tweet like everything was the worst. And then I heard that Meryl, that um that Tony Robin Tony Robinson Tony Robinson <laughs> Tony Robinson. It's our new self help guru. So the person said they heard that Tony Morrison turned in a new manuscript. And, and I saw you tweet about that. And stuff I freaked got out. better. And I can't remember who I saw tweet that. And I've asked a couple of times Just on Twitter. The and the idea no one has that there might it. be a new Tony Morrison manuscript is enough like, to sustain us in right these dark now. days. It is. And the new Marilyn Robinson is out in a few weeks. No, next week, October 7th. Oh, oh Not yes, that I'm okay. keeping track or I mean, anything. I have it. Yes. Well, I pre-ordered it. I'm buying this one in print. This is going on the shelf. <laughs> it's kind of like Seinfeld. Kind of Seinfeld think... Elaine kept her, uh, her preferred method of birth control just for worthy guys. That's how print Sponge books are for me. Print-worthy? Print-worthy. Print-worthy. <laughs> print-worthy funny. books. Yeah, so what are we Franzen, talking about? Oh, Fran- yeah, okay. Franzen. This Franzen business, I think it just comes down to like, why is someone publishing a book about him when there are so many other people sell. that are actually more interesting? But of course, it'll, of course sell. it'll sell. Will it though? Like, 
will it really well, how many copies do you think this is going to sell this i think is going to be like that mfa versus nyc mm, book that got a lot of press but only sold like 12 copies i don't know how many how many does it even really need to sell for a scholar philip weinstein who's probably as you know a college paycheck coming in i, I don't know mm. if it sells twenty five thousand copies that's not bad for a nonfiction literary biography as these That's things true. go? Anyway, uh, let's see. Where should we go? But the goal the, isn't even to dig up dirt. Sorry, no, I'm just stuck No, it's on okay. This. Let's get His, it out of our craw. Weinstein's goal is rather to examine how turmoil in Franzen's life has shaped his work. That sounds so hideously Man, boring. I think I'm asleep already. Yeah, I'm, I passed out uh, about 90 seconds ago. <laughs> uh, you are looking forward to a different book deal, Mary Louise Parker. Oh, I am looking forward to this uh, so hard. Book autobiography. Autobiographical nonfiction book, which yeah, feels a little redundant. Yeah, that's not great copywriting, Gallicat. Gallicat, come on. Uh, title contain a series of letters addressed to significant men who have touched Louise Parker's life. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Simon and Schuster, uh, Scribner, which is in of Simon Schuster. And it's called Dear Mr. You. Dear Mr. You. That's also out. fall of 2015. That's about 10,000 times more interesting than the comedy of rage and to me. I'm just loving this thing where awesome ladies in pop yes. culture are getting memoir-ish book deals. Like, we, we've had Tina Fey, we've had Mindy Kaling, Lena Dunham's this book week? came out. This week, yep. it's out now. I'm going to talk about it in a little while. Amy Poehler's book comes out on Tuesday. Mm. Like, I might actually take the afternoon off just to hug Amy Poehler's book that on sounds Tuesday. Sounds pretty good. Um, Mary Louise Parker. Who's always seemed very, very... I'm in on all things Mary Louise Parker. Have Mm -hmm. been for several Mm -hmm. decades now, I feel like. Yeah. Um, Smart and kind of a bit of a wild card, as far as I can tell. She can. She does a little bit of everything. Like, if... if Alice and Janney will write a book and then Retta, who plays Donna on Parks and Rec, like I will, I will need for nothing more. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Um, I guess we better do one more sponsor than new books. Yeah. Our second, uh, well, our second book sponsor, the third show sponsor this week is Love is the Drug by Aliyah Don Johnson. She's the author of the critically acclaimed sci-fi novel, The Summer Prince, which was long listed for the National Book Award and was named a Kirkus Best Book of the Year. Uh, Love is the Drug is being being described as John Grisham's The Pelican Brief meets Michael Crichton's The Andromeda Strain, but set at an elite Washington, D.C. prep school. I am so in this. Mm-hmm. It's that's I'm hooked on that notion. Um, it's a the main character is named Emily Bird. She goes to this elite Washington D.C. prep school, and she was raised not to ask questions. Emily has perfect hair, the perfect boyfriend, the perfect Ivy League future, um, and but a chance meeting that she has with a Homeland Security agent at a party uh, for Washington D.C.'s social elite leads to her waking up in a hospital days later with no memory of the end of the night. At that party. Mm. And meanwhile, the world is falling apart. There's a deadly flu virus sweeping the, na- the nation. People are forced into quarantine. There are curfews. There's even martial law. And this Homeland Security agent that she's met is certain that she knows something. Hmm. Uh, the only person that she can trust is an outsider genius named Coffee who deals drugs to her classmates and believes in conspiracy in conspiracy theories. And so she and coffee go digging into what really happened the night of the party that led to her waking up in that hospital and what she knows could unleash the biggest government scandal in U S history. This sounds awesome. Sounds pretty good. I like a good scandal. I have to admit, I like a good government, possible government scandal. 
And yeah, the Pelican Brief meets the Andromeda Strain plus bad. the prep school angle. The uh, prep school—that's one of yours. That's prep one of your school things. Is one of my like a, a good campus novel is one of my kryptonites. I will never resist a book <laughs> set at a prep school. <laughs> can't even. Can't even resist. Can't. It. I can't. I just can't even. So thanks to uh, so, uh, Love Is a Drug for sponsoring the show this yeah, week. There'll be a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. I think I'm going to be checking that out soon. Mm. We mentioned uh, in that read that her book was nominated for um, one of the Kirkus Best Books of the Year. And so just quickly, Kirkus Reviews, which is one of the main book reviewing publications, this year just launched their first literary prizes. And this is a big deal because they're offering $50,000 annually to authors of fiction, nonfiction, it's and young prize. readers literature. It's one of the richest literary prizes. Um, so the finalists... The Pulitzer's only 5K, and the yeah. National Book, book Award is 10K, just for yeah. those of you keeping score at home. So update your spreadsheets accordingly. Yeah, big deal. Yep. Um, the finalists are out, and it's a really interesting mix. I think they did a nice job of, you know, picking some of the obvious big books, but also um, great books that maybe didn't get mm-hmm. as much attention, but that do deserve it. Um, so for a fiction, The Paying Guests by Sarah Waters, Euphoria by Lily King, which is one of my favorite books of the year, The Blazing World by Siri Hustved, All Our Names by Dina Mengistu. Which is very good. I read that. Mm-hmm. And, um, Florence Gordon by Brian Morton. Which I have not heard of. The Remedy for Love by Bill Rohrbach. Those are all the fiction Mm -hmm. ones. There's a graphic novel um, or a graphic memoir nominated for... Nonfiction. Nonfiction, Capital by Thomas Piketty. Um, There's a really interesting mix here, but cool to see... Like in a time when literary publications are dwindling, at mm-hmm. least the traditional ones are, that one of the biggies is able to put some big money up to to support great work. Yeah, that's very – I'm going to be interested to see that. Some nice titles there to look at. Let's do new books. I'll lead off since you usually lead off. I, I'm, I got one off the board. Um, this is called You're My Favorite Client by Mike Montero. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Montero is a graphic designer, and I read his – I, I, I kind of came to him circuitously – he does. He's a designer, and I watched a talk he did um, about Facebook called "Designers Are Ruining the World." Oh, you sent me that. Yes, it's, great. it's really interesting. Just about how design design decisions. He's a web designer primarily. Web decisions on websites um, affect how people use it, and the consequences, and social responsibility, and a whole bunch of interesting things. Got me into him. I listened to his podcast, which is called "Let's Make Mistakes," which I love the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes out every couple weeks. It's about design. It's for designers. Um, and his first, and then I got to his first book called Design as a Job. I'm interested in web design and things of that nature. But really his books are about – they are about being a designer or a, a client buying a design project help. But they're really about communication at work in business I think is what it really comes down to. How to talk to other people about what you are doing in a way that they will understand and appreciate. Um, so there's, there's from an independent press called A Book Apart. They do a lot of tech um, and design books. It's 12 bucks in paperback. You can get a digital version for, I think, $9. They're pretty short. Um, but if that's something that's interesting to you, I thought I would mention out because it's kind of uh, off the beaten track and a, a particular interest of mine. And he's a interesting firebrand. He does not shy away from um, telling it like it is, or at least how he thinks it is. So that's uh, You're My Favorite Client by Mike Montero. Cool. We're like in the thick. Yeah, of big, we're in the weeds now, boy, of new big books. Big books season. So I got a bunch of things this week. The first is Not That Kind of Girl by Lena Dunham, which is a um, memoir slash essay collection about 
her life and about the things that she's learned um, on the cover of the book learned is in scare quotes, like kind mm-hmm. of implying that she's not really trying to <laughs> teach anyone else. Um, there was a big book deal that she, I think she got more than $3 million, $3 million advance yeah. for, um, for this deal. It seems so far to have been a really smart play on random houses part, because there is a lot of talk um, about this book. Reviews have been, have been good. Of, reviews have been very reviews. good. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm not thrilled with how the book is being covered. Like mm. Lena Dunham, and I think that you and I have talked about this some, like she's she, more criticized than pretty much anyone else <laughs> who's gotten a book deal of this size. Aziz Ansari, who we I know we both love from mm-hmm. Parks and Rec, also got a three and a half million dollar book deal for a book that's coming out next year. And like, no one is mad that a young man got three and a half million dollars, but everyone is mad that Lena I Dunham wish did. Philip Weinstein would move from writing a book called The Comedy of Rage, use the same title, but then talk about people talking about Lena Dunham, because that's yeah. a book I would read. <laughs> Seriously. And uh, Lena Dunham did an interview with Judy Bloom this week that was really great. Um, I don't think that you need to be a fan of her work to acknowledge that she's accomplished some really interesting Huge and remarkable book things. Huge too, apparently. For a, yeah, for a woman as young as she mm-hmm. is in the industry that she's in. And so I'm going to be reading this just to you know find out and sort of have my own opinion about yep. it. But it's out this week. Beljar by Meg Wallitzer, which is spelled B-E-L-Z-H-A-R, um, is... I think it's Wallitzer's first young adult novel, and it is so awesome. A lot of our people uh, love it so far. It's so, so great. Uh, it's uh, it's a campus story. It's a, about a teenage girl who has a tragedy in her life that she doesn't recover from, and so her parents end up shipping her off to a private school out in the woods, and she finds herself uh, just enrolled magically in a special topics and literature class with only five other students and this eccentric teacher who handpicks the small group of students for her class every year. And then each year is a close reading of one author's work. And the year that she's in it, uh, they're reading Sylvia Plath. And so Beljar is a play on Beljar. Right. Um, the teacher gives the students all journals that they're instructed to write in every day. And at the end of the semester, they're going to turn the journals into her. And the kids discover sort of one by one and then all together that when they write in their journals about the experiences that they had that led them to the school and also what reading the books that they're reading in class is doing to help them process that experience, they get like transported into this other place and they call that place Beljar. Uh, it's smart. It's so sensitive and like right on to what it feels like to be a teenager having difficult moments, even if you never had the kinds of tragedies or the you know, kinds of traumas that the kids in the book are having that, that like I'm a teenager and I'm just this open raw nerve walking around is Wallitzer just pegs that. Um, and then the way that the teenagers talk to each other eventually, eventually open up to each other about the experiences that they've had and learn to trust each other. And then in that learn to help each other and then the role that books and the written word play in that process Mm. in this novel. It's just so fantastic. Um, I read it in one sitting on a flight and I just, I loved it. And then I was so envious of young (laughs) readers who get these books now as they're growing up. 16 year old me needed that book and would have loved it. Mm. It's great for adult readers to please, please buy it so that Meg Wallitzer will keep writing all kinds of books. Nice. Uh, on the businessy end, Yay. how we got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just, 
<laughs> How We Got to Now, Six Innovations That Made the Modern World by Stephen Johnson came out this week as well. I, I really love him. He writes about science and technology, um, where good ideas come from, uh, was the first of his books that I read that's um, about sort of the setups of modern life and technology. It's like kind of a nice prequel to reading Clive Thompson's Smarter mm. Than You Think about how we start developing things because of the ways our, our ideas are able to bump against each other. Um, in this, it's illustrated also, which is great. Johnson explores the history of innovation over several centuries, and he traces pieces of modern life, like refrigeration and clocks and eyeglasses, from their creation by like hobbyists and amateurs and people who just sort of stumbled on making these brilliant mistakes that turned into innovation, hmm. up into current things like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. It's like the secret history of the everyday necessary objects of modern life. Very nice. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And my last one is Internal Medicine, A Doctor's Stories by Terrence Holt, which is a memoir, but in essays, kind essay-ish vignettes about um, medical training and the experience of being a resident. Um, lots of memoirs by doctors have been coming across my desk recently, and this looked like one of the most interesting ones. So if you're uh, intrigued by that experience or wonder what it's like to go through that, you know, that grind of being a resident, seeing patients, learning all the technical stuff, but all the bedside manner and compassion pieces as well. Um, a doctor's stories looked really interesting. And I liked the setup of it, that it's broken into vignette essays rather than a straight narrative makes it a little different. Cool. So those are the new books. New books. There's a lot more. And there's a lot more coming out next week and the week there. I mean, next. I mean, next week we'll just be Do talking about Lila for s sixty minutes. So I guess <laughs> right. Guess next we'll week we're going to be in person because I'll be. Oh, that's in, right. In New York at Comic Con, yes. so we can just it'll be us just sitting next to each other crying about Marilyn Robinson fondly at uh, Lila. <laughs> we'll make that a video <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that's it. That's our show for this week. As always, uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Reading Ape. She's at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Uh, you can find the show notes, bookriot.com slash podcast. You can shoot us a line uh, if you have got a comment or a question, a complaint, or an idea for something we should talk about. Podcast at bookriot.com. As always, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes, not us, the show. Because uh, we're five stars each. But the show itself could use ratings and reviews. If that's something you've got a few extra minutes to do someday, that would be great. Reminder, Reading Lives is live. Interview podcast with the interesting people about the books that have been interesting to them. I think that's it. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much to, let's see, we got Squarespace. We got Love is, love the, is drug. the Drug. And As Long As, as, long you, as you Love me. me. So thank you guys for sponsoring the show. And those of you listening, feel free. And uh, to check those out at any time, let them know that uh, it's a good idea to sponsor us. And we like that. Have a good week. Bye-bye.